beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Joshua Black, alongside Jade Black, uh, our guest host today. So, Jade, how are you feeling today? Amazing. Thank well, you thank for asking. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and uh, taking over Sean's spot. We're going to miss him for this podcast. But uh, we have a special guest, so it's great that we can, uh, we can still do this episode. And so I want to sort of give a, a thank you to all the listeners so far who have continued to follow and listen to these podcasts and, and take the time to maybe check out the platforms of our guests because at the end of the day, they're taking their time out and sharing a lot of their story of, and their expertise and sometimes a lot of their loss and personal journey. So they're always love to hear from you. Even if you don't want to like go on their website, you can still email them and, and thank them for um, sharing what they have sh- shared. Today we have Dr. Kareen Seeley is a pediatric sleep specialist and sleep educator at Rebirth Wellness Center and founder of Baby Sleep Solutions by Dr. Seeley. And you can find that at www.sleepbydrseeley.com. After 10 years in the sleep research field, uh, she got her PhD in sleep neuroscience and then becoming a mom herself, she has dedicated her professional life to sharing her expertise with families and helping parents achieve great sleep for their babies. So welcome, Corrine. Hi, nice to be here. Hi, Josh. Hi, Jade. Hi. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. So, Corrine, man, it's good to actually talk to you again. We've had a past. Um, so we'll get right into it. Uh, first is, what, how, you, how did you get interested in sleep? Because that's how we actually met, and you'll probably tell a little story about that. But how did you actually get interested in sleep? Yeah, so I have been interested in sleep really as long as I can remember, even as far back as a public school, high school. I would always, I had little dream journals. I'd write down my dreams, try to figure out what they meant. Um, when I really became interested was when I went to university. So I did my undergrad at Brock, and that's where yeah, we met. I took the sleep course. So Brock University has a sleep course, and it's really one of the only universities in Ontario that actually teaches students about sleep. So I really, really loved that course specifically and ended up working at the Brock Sleep Lab. Uh, And that's where, you know, if anyone knows Josh's background, that he did an undergrad at Brock as well. So we met there and shared an office and worked at the sleep lab. And yeah, I really kind of never left the sleep research field. I just stayed in it. And it's been over 10 years now since I, I started my first first job in sleep research. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I remember as an undergrad, even having your own office was an amazing special thing to do because if it wasn't your own office, you'd have to go to the library with a bunch of other people. So, it's nice to actually go in there and then yeah, we we had a, we shared the office together, so that's how we became friends and we've been friends ever since. Mhm. It was really fun and I remember the first project I worked on was uh it was a sleep deprivation study. So, it actually brought in undergrads and deprived them of sleep for four days (laughs) and my job was to monitor them and make sure that they didn't fall asleep because the study was looking at the effects that sleep deprivation can have on your brain and your mood and and a whole host of things Um, so that was a really fun study I remember just having so much fun with it and um, yeah it was a fun really fun place to work Um, and it was just a really interesting group of people we worked with and um, yeah really fun time. Was it fun like keeping people up is that what was fun like watching them like suffer? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I think I just thought the whole concept was 
interesting, you know, depriving people of sleep and a lot of different personalities came out. So from the time when they first came in to the time that they left, they were much different. Some people got, you know, really giddy and happy. I don't know if you've ever felt like that when you're sleep deprived and I became good friends with some people. Other people got very upset, irritable, grumpy. So it, you just saw this change in people throughout the, the course of the four days. And um, I, I just thought it was a really kind of amusing study to be a part of was, you know, what happens when we're sleep deprived. So it was definitely a, a fun kind of part-time job when I started. Yeah. And what, just, just quickly, what are some, uh, some things you found, if you can remember? From that study? Well, in general, I do talk a lot with parents about sleep deprivation in general general, and what it can do. I think they mainly looked at cognitive performance, so things like short-term memory, reaction time, all of the, the cognitive aspects of sleep deprivation that are um, disrupted. Even on, and it wasn't complete sleep um, deprivation, it was only four or six hours a night, which some people just have normally, um, and they found reductions in those those types of tasks so yeah short-term memory reaction time things like that okay so that's interesting so then you moved on to your ma and your phd were those also in sleep yeah so i ended up i didn't intend to do go on in sleep but i was just kind of drawn to it i i wanted to work with animals and get some experience in the animal research field and one of the profs i met was doing a caffeine study looking at the effect of long-term caffeine use um, on animals. So that one I was drawn to. Um, so I ended up doing animal work and then my PhD was in back to humans. So I, I switched back. And what was your, because you've been, how long have you been graduated now from your PhD? It's been probably four, four years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Was there a big change from you graduating to where you are now? Like to, to see yourself as not a student anymore? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I had a, a son and a child, so that was kind of the biggest change. Um, was a whole different focus of my energy went from doing research to yeah, raising a child. So that was probably the the biggest change. And then kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with my background in education and um, having that freedom, um, it was really nice because I didn't have a job necessarily to go back to. I was very open when I first had my son, so I could kind of go in whatever direction I wanted. So that was really nice just to kind of, yeah, figure out, have a clean slate uh, and figure out what how I wanted to move forward. So Very interesting. And so I'm... I'm really curious how you became interested in baby sleep in particular, because you had been working in the sleep field in general, but but have 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 since kind of honed that into to focusing on baby sleep. So how did you? I assume uh, you know uh, a large part of it was having to do with your own experience with your son, but can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So my PhD was all about sleep and brain development and the importance of sleep for brain development. So um, I spent a lot of time kind of researching that and then I taught it as well. After I had my own child, I had this kind of background about sleep, especially sleep in babies in the first year. And what I noticed just in my community was that there wasn't a lot of sleep education 
really out there for families. Um, a lot of mums that I was friends with or mums that I would kind of meet at playgroups had a lot of questions about sleep, um, and it seemed to be the number one thing that mums talked about. There wasn't really someone out there to give them education about it, so it kind of just happened at first just naturally. I was drawn to understanding baby sleep, helping moms with it, talking about it, and I just kind of started doing it on my own. Um, and then meeting with the owner of Rebirth, we started discussing, you know, she noticed the same thing. There's, again, not a lot of education for parents about sleep, um, and it is the number one thing they really want support around. So I just decided to be that person to help educate moms and to help you know give them support when they need it have someone to talk to about it and it's really like I've I've started kind of what I call an a sleep initiative for parents because it's something that they don't take the time to educate themselves about so that's something I've just become really passionate about is using my background to really help people and it's very rewarding to be able to help people um, especially young, you know, or, or moms who have young babies who don't have that support. So right. it kind of just happened naturally. Yeah. Interesting. So what what kind of issues did you come across with your son? His name is Kirk. What issues did you come across with, with his sleeping patterns or lack of or particularly um, like the first year? It was, I, again, a lot of it I just just kind of not, you hear a lot you hear a lot of advice from people when you have a baby and you, a lot of it you you question because if you're a new mom you're like okay is this true it's I don't feel like it's right but you know these people are telling me this so you hear a lot and that in itself can be stressful um because you you don't know necessarily what's true what's not true and you get a lot of opinions um for my son I remember asking a couple friends so I said, you know, how do you get your, your baby to sleep? Um, the one said, well, you just kind of let them get there when they get there. It, they they all sleep eventually, so they'll get there. So I thought, okay, it's just something, you know, you have to wait. Um, and my son was really, really young at this point. And then my other friend I asked, it was, this was within, you know, one evening. I talked to them both. And the other one said, oh, you have to let them cry it out. That's the only way that they'll be able to sleep. So I thought, well, you know, one person saying you can't do anything, the other one saying you have to just leave them to let them cry. And I said, there has to be some sort of way that as a parent I can really help guide them towards great sleep without letting them cry and without just kind of letting it go on its own. Right. Um, so that's when I really became interested in, you know, what as a parent can I do to really help guide them? Because I do think parents have somewhat of a responsibility to to guide their child towards good sleep in a, a natural and gentle way. But, um, I, yeah, so that was kind of hearing these opposing views made me really think about, okay, what do I think about it? And um, that's when I really got interested in, okay, you know, what do I know about infant sleep? And then how can we use that information to really help guide them? Um, and just understanding what's realistic as well is helpful um, because you hear a lot like, oh, your baby should be sleeping through the night when they're two, three months old, mine did. So knowing that that's not realistic can be very helpful for moms. So that's something I provide as well is just knowing kind of that their baby is actually going through something that's normal and that they don't necessarily have to 
expect more from them than than they can do. So that was something that, you know, really inspired me to help others is just to give them that support that, you know, where they're at is actually okay as well. That's beautiful. I think you said like normalizing the experience. It's not something that you have a lot of. It's like same thing with grief. You're like that's what I, we try to do here is to really normalize the experience a lot of times because it's not like you're having loss all the time and everyone's loss is so unique. So to like having a baby, you're not having it every day. And there's not like you're not being taught or trained on what to experience when you have a baby. So Kareen, what do you do as a sleep consultant? So yeah, basically a lot of people kind of question, you know, and they say, what is a sleep consultant? Because it's something you don't really hear of as a career, or at least I didn't until I had my son. Um, But basically, the approach that I take is very, it's all education-based. So just educating parents about, you know, what does baby sleep look like? What are their sleep needs? um, And then helping them to be able to guide their child towards great sleep, Um, using all just natural and gentle approaches. Um, A lot of people seem to have, or at least that I come across, they have this idea that you'll be kind of sleep training their baby or doing something that goes against their wishes. And there's this negative stigma I find some people have um, with sleep consultants. Um, But it really is just, again, education-based. It's understanding um, the the child, their personality, and then providing really gentle and realistic tools to help them sleep kind of um, the best that they can sleep. So it's all guided by the child, by the parenting style, and it's all individual to, to each family, um, kind of working within what their goals are. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's nothing that, it's no forcing your baby, it's no cry it out, nothing that would go against you know, what I believe and what I did with my son. I used all gentle approaches with him and um, I I treat all my clients the same way in that respect. So my, uh, my question to you is then, so what does it, what does it really mean to be a sleep consultant? Like, did you find, I'm guessing you looked around to see what people were available. What did you come to find before you jumped into this area? Um, well, I actually, I remember with my son, I thought, you know, maybe I should hire one. This was when he was really young. So I kind of looked around and it's really, well, a couple things. The first is I was surprised. There's really no kind of standardized certification for being a sleep consultant. So that's one thing I always tell parents is really look at who is this person that you're really entrusting with your your baby's sleep because it's a very personal thing working um, with a sleep consultant and um, having them come into your home and um, tell you kind of what's right and what's not right. So um, really uh, looking into their background because like I said, there's no standardized approach to it. So yeah, so that's kind of one thing I was surprised at um, and I decided, you know, I think I think I got this on my own (laughs) when I looked into it. So, you know, having my background, I felt pretty good with kind of what education I had on it. Um, So, yeah, you have to, right? You have a PhD in in sleep, and that's not a lot of people go that route, right? It's very difficult Mm -hmm. um, because of the what you have to go through. I know, like, with what I go through, I do a lot of questionnaires, stuff like that, which is much easier, but you spent time in a sleep lab counting sleep spindles. And so you know a lot about sort of the brain that I think many other people may not know too much about. 
And so, yeah, like I, I, you know, if there's going to be someone, you'd prefer them having a PhD in sleep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the certification programs I looked into, it were, um, well, really, like anyone could come up with a certified course. There's no, again, no standardized approach to it. You could certify people. I could certify people. Anyone can. Um, And a lot of them are weekend courses. Um, And I don't want to downplay because I know there are a lot of great sleep consultants out there. It's just really thinking about, okay, what does this certified program this person did mean? Was it, where did it come from? And um, what did they learn? Because I've just heard a lot of different things in the sleep world that I don't necessarily agree with. So it's finding someone that has the same I don't know, understanding as you and is going to really take into consideration um, what your parenting style is and who your child is and finding the right person for you. So that's my best advice for someone looking for a sleep consultant is just really think about, okay, what was this course they took and where did they get this information from? So um, just have that edu- that background going in and do the background check. I was going to say that's great advice for anyone looking into that because it's very important and because you're taking, you'll be taking the word of that person as, as gold, right? So mm-hmm. really look into, you know, where they're coming from and how they know what they know. So moving forward, like what problems do parents usually come to you with to talk about newborn uh, sleep issues? Oh, um, there's a wide range. So I do a lot of newborn education. So this is parents that are either expecting or have a a young child within the first three months. And a lot of that is geared towards just educating them about sleep. Um, And there is a a group of parents who really want to know as much as they can. And kind of they they don't really know anything. So they're like, just tell me, you know, what you know about sleep. And they kind of come in just for the, the information. And actually, studies show that if you educate parents, so if you were to take a group of parents and educate half of them on infant sleep, um, the ones, and educate the other half on, say, something else baby-related, the ones that are educated about sleep actually end up having better sleeping infants and toddlers. Um, So that is one thing I'm really passionate about, is providing parents with early education. So... That's one thing a lot of people come to me about is just preventative measures so that they can start early with their child. Um, and that's something that I've kind of built up over time. And as people have got to know me, they've become interested in it. Um, and then the other half is people who are struggling with sleep. Um, either, you know, the most common is usually my child won't nap or my child you know, is up every hour or two all night and they're an older child, so it's kind of six months plus. Um, so that's, you know, one of the biggest things that parents, parents come to me about is just my child won't sleep, <laughs> they won't nap and they're up all night. Um, or they they have something specific they want to work on. So one client that I'm working with right now wants to transition her son um, to his toddler bed in his own room instead of sleeping in the room with the parents. So they have specific goals they have in mind, and then what I would do is help guide them through it and figure out the best approach. And um, I would be that person to really support them and give them a plan because a lot of parents kind of know what they want, but they just don't know how to get there. So um, helping them with a plan for their specific 
um, sleep goal is is part of what I would do. Um, so every family is completely different, and it all depends on what the goal of the family is and um, the age of the child. And um, yeah, every everyone's completely different. So it's really individualized to the person and and what they want and what is going on with them. Briefly touch on why sleep is so important for you know babies and and their and their brain development. Oh, yeah. So really, I'd say, you know, for babies, feeding and sleep are the the two most important things. Um, Babies have to sleep a lot. So a lot more than most parents think. And it's so, so important, really, kind of for everything. So sleep is when they grow. Um, this sleep is when all their their brain makes all the important connections that it needs to make. So language development, motor skills, every type of learning that they would, you know, have during the day is really consolidated and processed in their sleep. Um, their mood, so sleep helps regulate mood. Um, so, you know, once you help a baby sleep a bit better, they're much happier and they're more willing to um, participate in activities and um, everything kind of goes a bit more smooth. Um, so yeah, mood regulation, um, growth, brain development is important for their immune system. So if they're not sleeping kind of what they need, they're, they can have um, dysfunction in immune response, so they might get sick easier or um, they might have um, allergy, allergic reactions more easily so that their immune system can kind of go out of whack. And it's the same for mums as well. So studies show that um, mums are more at risk for developing postpartum depression um, if they're them and their baby aren't sleeping well. So uh, helping the mums is a big part of it to to be able to to get sleep um, during that first year. And, you know, it can be, really be life-changing. I get some really amazing emails from moms that say, like, this changed my life. Because if you're not sleeping and <laughs> you're not feeling your great, you know, the greatest, it's it's hard to enjoy life sometimes. So, um, you know, getting good sleep is really important for the whole family. So it's really my practice is geared towards first getting the baby to sleep and then I always make sure the mom is feeling well rested before before we're done as well. So. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. I think too it's very important that's how everything's, you know, connected in the family and, and how you're absolutely right. If one person's not sleeping in and, and feeling their best, then obviously it's going to, you know, impact everybody else in the home and, and so to make sure that everybody's feeling optimal is is really, really in, in important. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So what would you say is the most rewarding part? Would it be getting those emails from the moms that, you know, are really happy with the changes and the advice that you've given them and and that? Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely so rewarding and that's why I do it. It's you know, I could do a lot of different things <laughs> in life and this is to me the most rewarding thing. If you can help a mom feel happier and feel more rested and especially and help a baby get the rest that they need to me there's really nothing that's more rewarding um to do because you know I moms come to me and they're I've heard so many different things you know I've had moms who have had to go off maternity have a second maternity leave because they're too tired to work 
Um, I've had parents that are saying, we're about to get divorced, I need your help. So, you know, being able to help families and particularly it, they can be, it can be a vulnerable time for moms, um, you know, when they're dealing with sleep issues, being able to help them and work with them to, to feel better and to, to be happy is definitely the most rewarding thing. And it's those emails that I get that keep me keep me going that I'm like okay this is so worth it because for sure it's just amazing seeing those emails Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so I would like to move into the grief portion of this episode and so um just curious if you've lost anybody in your journey and and if you could just kind of touch on what what that was like and yeah one thing this is kind of unrelated. I do want to say that I I love this podcast. I think it's such a great forum for people to be able to discuss their dreams. And I'm a, a big believer that dreams are important, they're meaningful, um, and paying attention to them can be very, very helpful in many ways. So just in general, I'm a, uh, a big supporter of the, the Dream Feed podcast or Dream Feed, <laughs> Grief Dreams podcast. Um, as far as my own grief dream, um, I personally, I haven't experienced a lot of loss in my life. Um, I've had a few, probably the, the closest person to me that's passed was my grandma, which I was away at school when it happened. She was, um, or this was my first year um, at Brock. It, um, she passed away and she had struggled for a long time with cancer um, many, many years. So um, in a sense, there was a lot of kind of relief in the sense that, you know, she passed, she was surrounded by family. We had many years to spend with her. But, you know, of course, we always we always miss her. And um, she was, you know, really going to her house was, I had a lot of really great memories of it uh, as a child visiting her house. She had all the Christmas dinners, um, you know, I just I have so many great memories going there. So she's probably the person that I, I miss the most who's right. passed away. Um, and you know, once she passed, that that all stopped because my grandpa doesn't. He's never cooked a day in his life. <laughs> she did all the cooking. She did all the entertaining. He you know comes to us for dinner now. So all of that kind of stopped. So with that, there was that loss of. Um, that space we were in, in our house, um, and all those memories that we had stopped with it. So um, so that is something that I, I always think of and, and miss is her house and her that environment because that, again, when, when she was gone, it, it all kind of changed. Uh, so I haven't specifically had any any dreams about her, and it's always something, you know, especially because I know I've, I'm familiar with the Grief Dreams podcast. I think about it and I do try and I'm like, I wonder if I could have a dream of her tonight. Um, but it, it hasn't happened yet, but I will be letting you know as soon as it does. Um, but it, it is something I try to think about um, and uh, try to remember things from her. Um, but yeah, that would be probably the, the closest person to me that's passed. Yeah, it's always a mystery on, you know, why some people get these dreams and others don't. And so it's interesting you haven't had a dream yet um, about her, but you have so many like fond memories of the relationship you had with her, especially eating at her house. What was the, her favorite dish that she liked to make? 
She, I have a vivid memory of her making Caesar salad, which we still all use her recipe for the Caesar, sa- Caesar salad dressing. And I just, and it's funny, like the little memories, it's not the big things that you remember as a child. It's just these, these little memories and she, just breaking up lettuce and drying it on her kitchen table. And she had these specific bowls, which I actually found somewhere and I we have them now so it's kind of nice I, I think of her when I make Caesar salad and, and use her bowls uh, and she made amazing pie and sold them she had them in a lot of restaurants in Picton where I'm from so um, her pie is something that I wish if I could have a dream of her it would be eating her <laughs> being in her house <laughs> her pie. eating her pie <laughs> and talking to her of course but it's we all love her pie and nobody knows how to make it. So that's something that we'll never be able, you know, we can't recreate. Um, so that would, you know, if I could have that a dream, I, I'm going to try to incorporate that pie into the dream. That's well. pretty, yeah, that's pretty interesting, like, to eat a pie. It'd be cool if she even gave you a re- the recipe too, right? Because it's got to be out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen her make it when she when I was younger, so it's in my brain. So I just need to tap in and, and get it out because I, I I saw her make pie quite a bit. <laughs> what was their, your favorite pie that she made? That was going to be that was going to be my question. <laughs> what kind of pie? Come on, just really drive this home for me because <laughs> my mouth is yeah. wiring. I need to put something in it. Yeah. Was it raspberry pie? Raspberry pie, yes, without a doubt, for sure. Oh, yeah, it's still my had. favorite type of pie. I've never, never had, had raspberry pie either. <laughs> yeah. Please, so please, please yeah. tap into this and then send me a recipe. Email me a recipe. <laughs> I'd say and bake it a, and I'll, a, I'll come by. <laughs> yeah. Her personality too. She's one. Of, she's a personality that's very hard to describe to people. Kind of similar to my mom. Unless you meet her, you can't really describe her. So um, that's something I wish. Um, she's never met my son or my partner Josh. So <laughs> that if I could have a dream about her, I would love for her to be able to meet them because I tried to describe her and it's just she's you can't describe her with words so I would love for them to be able to meet her and her but to be able to meet them because I was I was young when she passed so she doesn't really know you know my family my career and what what I ended up doing so I'd love to be able to reconnect um, in that way and just talk to her Um, I'd love to talk to her too about baby sleep I bet she has some really good tips as well so uh, i'd love to be able to just have a conversation with her now that i'm older and have my you know my family and my job because i was younger so it's it's a little bit different yeah when you're younger and how old do you want to do you want her to be do you want to be like her as a grandma or do you want to be her when she's in her 30s oh that would be i was picturing her as a grandma but it would be amazing to meet her young too, because I think she was pretty fun from what I hear. So it would any age really, but um, a young version would be, would be kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. All right. And then, so the setting will be in the house. Is that what I'm getting her house? Yeah. So if I were to have a dream, the perfect kind of scenario would be in her house. She lived in a place called Lake on the Mountain 
which is in Picton, and it's a very quaint little area, and it's literally a lake on a mountain. So it's a, a really beautiful kind of scenic drive to her house. Uh, so it would be kind of yeah, driving to her house, just going there. Um, I picture her, yeah, kind of older as my grandma, as I remember her, and bringing Josh and Kirk and having a raspberry pie and just talking about just about kind of life. And um, yeah, and, and I think now that I'm older, I would have different conversations with her than when I was younger. So um, I would love yeah, just to be able to get some wisdom from her and um, that pie recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a beautiful dream. It's it's nice because that's something, you know, like we've been friends for a while and I've never heard those memories uh, of her. So it's always, I always find it beautiful when you ask those questions about what dream would you want. You get a lot of information that you normally wouldn't actually get from a friend, you know, just by conversation so she seems like an amazing person and i wish she was still around so i could eat that pie because <laughs> i can't stop thinking about it. the last like 10 minutes we've been uh, talking about this <laughs> i feel now like any pie i take is just gonna be a disappointment to what it could be uh, it, yeah it, you're right mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh Korean, this has been an amazing uh podcast and talking to you uh on air and to hear about your journey uh, through school, through, you know, leading you to um, going to newborn sleep and helping parents find balance in their life and to normalize the experience of having a, a child and what they go through. So I think what you're doing is very important in our culture. I know there's a lot of books out there and, you know, that's one thing, but to have someone that you can talk to face to face to give you sort of the lowdown on what maybe uh, the issues are or in what new information could be helpful is I think very important in our culture. So thank you for doing the work you're doing. And I said like, I know those people sent you letters um, that told you how important you are to them. And so just know that as you move forward uh, in your practice and in your business. So is there a way people can contact you? Yes, so you can visit my website. So it is www.sleepbydrseely.com. And then I also have a Facebook group as well where I post any um, upcoming work workshops and just tips in general about sleep. So anything kind of family, baby sleep related, um, you can find information on that. And it's Baby Sleep Solutions by Dr. Seeley. And yeah, I'm constantly kind of posting new information about sleep. Um, Instagram I have as well. It's Sleep by Dr. Seeley. Um, and yeah, I post kind of just snapshots of workshops and things I'm doing in the community and, and any kind of sleep tips that I find that I want to share, you can, you can find um, through those, those platforms. All right, that's Amazing. beautiful. So hopefully, yeah, you can, uh, the, the listeners will check that out. And that's uh, Sleep by Dr. Seeley and Seeley spelled S-E-E-L-E-Y. Yes. Yep. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you, and I've I've learned a lot about sleep, and and um, I'll be sure to refer anybody that I come across that has questions or is having issues with you know navigating you know the baby sleep world, and um, in in hopes that you know you can help them and you may be able to offer them some of your you know expertise and and um, wisdom when it comes to this stuff. And I wish you all the success with your business and. Um, your venture and your mission to help people upgrade, you know, their quality of life, one mom and, and, and baby at a time. So good luck with all that. 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. So please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. If you have Facebook, you can join uh, the Grief Dreams Facebook group. If uh, you have Instagram or Twitter, you can check us out at, at Grief Dreams. And uh, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and a bunch of other podcasting platforms. And then once again, if you are interested in being a guest on our podcast, please email us your story and what you'd like to share. And we always respond to those emails. So you can email those to griefdreamspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, uh, with love and gratitude from us to you. So thank you once again for listening to this podcast and uh, for the fans. And thank you, Dr. Kareen Seeley, for being here today. The New Beginning.